I don't know at what point the child of Prague and Irish households became uh, replaced with a trampoline. Yeah. Like in every Irish house, there's yeah. a trampoline With now. the little cage around it. Yeah, with the cage to keep them locked in. Because Stay in there now until you don't want to live anymore and go the to de- bed. The padlock yeah. on the <laughs> <laughs> Hello and welcome to Girls With Goals. I'm Neve Marr and we're coming to you today from our studios in London. I'm delighted to welcome back to the show broadcaster and TV presenter Angela Scanlon and even more delighted Sorry, Hey! Angela. Whoa! What a slam! <laughs> Early slam by knees. To welcome <laughs> actress, comedian and writer Ashling B to the show for the very first time that's all Woo-hoo. that I meant. Good to be you Angela. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Before we get stuck in it is time to play our favourite game which is called Six Words or Less so it's for our listeners and our readers of Her.ie who may not know who you are. So Angela, the last time you were on the show, mm. which was ages ago. It was a good while ago. Yeah, it was yeah. way back in October. So the last time you were on, your words were a giant ginger ball of contradiction. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So my question to you... Giant-er. My question to you is, <laughs> would you like to stick or would you like to choose some new words? Um, I didn't realise I could stick. So I have now... I mean, it's not as profound as that particular (laughs) I've gone currently waddling like a baby giraffe but we could just stick with a gianter ball of ginger contradiction yes because you are expecting congratulations yeah thanks expect I always feel like that's a really weird way to put I heard you're expecting Expecting. I'm expecting I'm always expecting something yeah, expecting terrible <laughs> things to happen. Oh, yeah. Jesus. Yeah. Ominous. But yes, I'm up the duff. <laughs> up the duff. Yeah. Ashling, six words or less. I am but a simple legend. Oh, I love that. Oh, no, I suppose to say humble. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I am but is a more apt, humble I legend. Thanks, Ange. <laughs> ah, thanks. Wait a minute. <laughs> I quite like that because a lot of people self-deprecate, as we do as a nation. No, girl, I ain't got the time. Yeah. I ain't got the time. Yeah, so that's good. You're a humble legend. Just a humble legend. That's uh, good. Trying to make my way through the world. Yeah. So yeah. later on, we are going to be talking about uh, the repeal, the eighth movement in Ireland. But first up, we are going to talk about something that's very close to mm-hmm. your heart, Ashling, and that is ethical fashion. Yes. And cruelty-free products in general as well. So mm-hmm. I heard you described your style before as ethical versions of high street looks. Yeah, And you've spoken about how important it is to make ethical choices when choosing pieces and makeup products and stuff like that. So when when did this happen for you? Was it, was well, it always you something you were conscious of? I think of? in general, I think this is something where, where, the, where there's a lot of chat at the moment about the apocalypse approaching mm-hmm. and what can we do in our own little ways to be the opposite of Donald Trump. And I think part of that is to be conscientious when we can. And as a country, Ireland is full of contradictions. A lot of the things that are good about us are also the awful things about us. Yeah. Um, for example, our, our smallness in many ways uh, can make us small in our ideas. But actually, it means that certain things can take off very quickly because we're also very community minded. And one of those things that I think we all have as Irish people is being conscientious. And that is how you can fight a lot of the hatred and sadness in the world. Mm. Being conscious and trying slowly but surely to look out for other people, I feel is it's a it's a muscle that you have to keep at. It's yeah. something that you have to keep doing and you can look in your life and go, how can I do that in small little ways? For me, a massive part of it has been 
through clothing. I sort of realized myself, my sister Sinead is a costume designer and she's a costume designer in uh, film, mainly film. So she's done big movies like Beauty and the Beast and Macbeth and Batman and all sorts of big movies. She's more successful than me, but she doesn't like talking about herself as much. (laughs) And um, uh, she, on those projects, started feeling really bad about the waste and the amount of waste there was in the costume industry. And so she published um, a ethical costume uh, directory, not to make people feel guilty about what, mm. they, what they weren't doing, but trying to help people to do a bit more if they felt a bit powerless. And so I realised that that was something maybe I could do. I've got a voice online, etc. Yeah. And just, it's a very female problem. The cl- clothing is one of the biggest polluters. Uh, obviously, we all know about the meat industry, but clothing is a huge polluter. Yeah. And it's a very female problem because we are the biggest drivers of fast fashion and the people who make our fast fashion are other women. Yeah. So we are asking a lot of the time poorer women in poorer countries to make our clothes for us so we can have more stuff. Now, there's a lot of pe- people say, oh, but you can't. What? But not everyone can afford Armani. Not everyone can afford this and mm. that. But something like Primark or pennies. And we've sort of, I think, especially as Irish women, we've had a sort of like um, a code of honour, yeah. a mm. code of honour mm. that we haven't spent much money on our clothes. Yeah. But what the subtext of that is, is we haven't paid anyone very much to make our clothes. And we don't like to think of that, but that's kind of the truth of it. The cost of making clothes has not changed in the last 20 years. What's changed is how much we're prepared to let people get paid to make our clothes. And yeah. that's something I became quite And it's not something we really want to think about. Um, but well, slowly but surely we can change it. a little bit of guilt maybe when we think about it because yeah. when you really think about it, like you said, it is a female problem perhaps mm. and it's not that pleasant to maybe think yeah, that we're impacting on these women in these poor countries. But Angela, you worked in the fashion industry yeah. obviously for years in Ireland. Do you think it's just about, like Ashing was talking about, literally just bit by bit starting to talk about it and starting to kind of bring people around to the idea that it is important to know where clothes comes from essentially as uh, yeah. much as our food yeah totally I mean I think it's really easy to just breeze in and out of the high street or you know pennies always gets a bad rap because of the price but if you a stand in a shop and a sequenced knitted jumper is seven pounds then yeah. you have to ask your question the question who suffered in order for me to be able to buy this yeah. sequence you know the jumper. big the big scandal is that yeah. sometimes some shockingly low price shocking and, yeah. but sometimes i think we we think the 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 disparity is a thousand pounds but yeah, actually yeah. some of the companies really if we all paid three or four pounds more I remember there's there's this case I can't remember the exact dress it was but Kate Middleton wore this I'm pretty sure it was a Reese dress so yeah. I'm saying I'm pretty yeah, sure yeah. but yeah. she wore this Reese dress that was say for example 99 pounds and if that had cost 102 that would have meant that the wage would have been a fair trade price right mm-hmm. and it's that sort of stuff I, I just think as well it's not about making people feel guilty or going we all have to take to the hills and wear hemp yeah. Yeah, it's just yeah, yeah. about slowly changing around attitudes this thing happened in Ireland with the Celtic Tiger where we all wanted to show how well we were doing consume 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 consume, consume. consume. Yeah. the idea that you'd get your um, communion dress 
off someone else was, are you poor or something? Mm. The idea that you'd get your wedding dress from Oxfam was like, are you poor or something? No one wanted to look like they were poor. Yeah. We wanted to go, look at us now, England. Doing We've well. got our own houses, our own land back and we can buy new stuff all the time. Thank Every you very day. Much. And there's yeah. this, I think we got a sort of, um, don't take anything from charity shops. Yeah. Don't wear the same dress twice. Oh my God, did she wear the same dress to the wedding? But my uh, wedding is her wedding. Yeah. Did she not find a new, am I not important enough to her? Whereas actually we should be loving our clothes, loving, loving fashion, loving what yeah. we're wearing and picking stuff that we're, we want to wear and will kind of give us a bit of joy yeah. and wear the, wear the hell out of your clothes and look after them. Yeah. yeah, but I think, you know, maybe it started in boom time Ireland, mm. but social media has added massive pressure to, to young people, I think, mm. to, you know, people who decide every day, not necessarily their professional influencers or mm-hmm, whatever, mm-hmm. Um, but actually, oh, I can't, I'm not going to take a picture of myself. I'm wearing the same thing I wore yesterday. I mean, I often yeah. wear the same things for days on end, but I look mm-hmm. at people who do this job online where they literally have got to have head to toe a different outfit every single day. It's because of the Instagram day. feed as well. You to- don't want to have the same, the same picture of yourself in yeah. a dress like three pictures on because God forbid you wear the same thing. And, and it is ridiculous. And, that's, and I, that's just an attitude. And that's like, I, I remember someone comment, I, for Taskmaster, so a lot of the shows I've been doing recently, for Taskmaster, as an example, we had to have like eight different outfits for eight different shows. And so what myself and the stylist did was we were like, right, let's go ethical clothing companies and charity shops, etc. and stuff I already have. Mm-hmm. Let's mix it up. And so we did that. So all of my outfits for the whole series yeah. were either from small British companies, ethical companies or charity shops. And one of the dresses that people really liked was this red polka dot dress and I got it for six pounds in a charity shop in Islington and Angel and someone said to me you only paid six pounds are you earning enough now to be spending more but but and actually I don't care that that uh, like Oxfam online for example is amazing and they have it in Ireland as well you can get stuff online that orders just like Amazon or or, yeah. or Topshop orders your house you can do returns and the money goes back to Oxfam but sometimes it's hard because people get offended as well by pricing so they can get offended mm-hmm. if they hear that something is very very low but also I remember everybody was in uproar there during the week because it was an outfit that Holly Willoughby wore and it was a tracksuit and the tracksuit was something like 400 Cashmere. Yeah, it was yeah. something like that. And then everyone's like, how dare you wear a tracksuit for mm. that amount of money? Well, that's so the it's thing. almost and as I if do... people get offended by fashion prices on either end of the scale. Well, because... And we need to probably think of our own choices more. Yeah, and yeah. because on telly now, and you'll get it the same as me, I mean, I, you can't wear the same dress two days in a row. If yeah. you do, it's odd. I try to borrow some clothes so that yeah. I, you know and we t- spoke about this before Ash and it's like if you can borrow somebody else can buy it if they want but I don't need a wardrobe full of dresses that I wear on mm. telly that I'm never going to wear again um, or else if you just change up the shows like I started so this is a disparity between male comedians and female comedians someone will say to me did you wear that same top on Taskmasters you did on 8 out of 10 Cats Does yeah. Countdown and you're like yeah I did I don't normally go out ritualistically to my garden and burn clothes mm-hmm. once they're done in you sort guarantee of like, men aren't being asked that question and no, they're they're honestly they're yeah, I know. You, there is the same there was that incident in you wore the um, same shirt you just wouldn't get but it but you know there was those two Isn't news it? presenters in Australia yeah, yeah, yeah. and 
and the guy wore the same suit until it started to smell for a year yeah. to show the difference between how he and his female came. But like, and the but that's all, that stuff, it's very easy to make it, oh, like men don't get away with it. But we as women have to take responsibility. We're yeah, fueling I completely this. Agree. We're fueling mm. this. It's not, this isn't one of those things. The man is making us, we are fueling no, this and 100%. it's something we can change. And it's like the Holly Willoughby thing. I want that tracksuit. Oh, I can't afford it. Therefore, it's wrong. It doesn't matter about the ethics. I see that dress. I want to buy it now. Is it available now? Is it available now? People want to kind of shop yeah. the yeah. people they see. It's like click through almost. But also there's a thing of going, oh, it's 400 quid. Sometimes there are a lot of big companies that also don't pay their, pay their workers properly. Mm-hmm. We are so powerful with what we can do with our cash. Yeah. We are so powerful where we spend it. If you don't like the ethics of H&M and stop going to them, they'll change their ethics. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You can make... You can still uh, pay people to make stuff and it doesn't have to go through the roof, but you can choose where you spend your money. And as women, uh, the great thing about us is once a community of something takes off, we can make the change very quickly. Yeah. And shops and businesses tend to listen to large groups of women and what they want because they know... There's money behind there's, that. There's yeah. money for it. has so, to be a commercial. There's got to yeah. be. Unfortunately or fortunately, the bottom line is always going to come into that. And I think mm. yeah. if you, we you have know, to vote make with it, your feet, um, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, and we have to make it in Marks and Spencers. Little things that happen in Marks and Spencers. There are buckets where you can go and uh, recycle your clothes and your bras. Yeah. And they sometimes give you like five pounds vouchers for Marks and Spencers. And so it's about it's about social conscientiousness. No one's mm-hmm. expecting the world to change. So we all wear flower bags all of a sudden yeah. instead of like dresses to weddings. But it's slowly but surely breaking conscious habits. I often feel it's a bit like losing weight. If you go on a big old diet, you're not going to stick to it. If you slowly but surely change your habits. And I feel we've had a bit of obesity with consumption, Mm -hmm. especially with our clothing. And that's where I was a big fan of every time I felt a bit sad, I spend a tenner. Mm -hmm. So I'd go into H&M to spend a tenner. And I had, I'd say about 18 black tops at one stage that were all the same top. Gives you a bit of a rush. Yeah, exactly. You're like, I'm feeling bad. I want to spend a tenner. Got a tenner, I'm going to spend it. And now my sister said a good little thing to... to Eat the tenner. Eat, eat, it. eat the tenor and just wait for it to come out the other end <laughs> and then go, oh, look, I'm shitting money. Um, uh, was um, if, before you buy something, the 30 wears challenge. Yeah. Will I wear this 30 times? Yeah. And if I'm not, I don't need it or borrow it or borrow something from someone else. Look at the clothes you yeah. have. Catherine Ryan, who's a pal of mine, she lends me dresses. She's got these dresses that, to wear to like big events. She lent me something yeah. to go to the BAFTAs me in. Me and my friends do swap shops, which is yeah. actually like a, great. a nice little thing to do when, because mm-hmm. sometimes you, you get a bit sick of your clothes but that doesn't yeah, mean yeah. like sometimes I look at something and I'm like well I'm probably not going to wear that again but I know my friend will 100% wear it yeah. so I was going to ask but you've kind of given examples there of little ways that maybe yeah. people can start making a change and start being more and I know or if you from, want to sp- spend 30 quid on a new dress and you're like oh I saw something there do you know what I'm actively not going to go into that shop they're not good enough yet but this one actually for example like Marks and Spencers are doing yeah. their little things support companies that you think are doing something like H&M and have the conscious range that you're like okay they're actually looking into it yeah Yeah. and they're attempting and if you can put money in there then they see there's a benefit Mm. there's a demand for consumption of more but then there's then there's also the you you have to look at the companies who are fueling buying seven things instead of two. Oh yeah 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 so that's that's where you have to make sure that the companies are doing for the right reasons and are are backing up what they're doing as well but it's also Mm. maybe a little bit about and I know Ashton from following you um, you support (laughs) leave your stock (laughs) stop being creepy and you stop following (laughs) around I don't mean physically I don't follow you around the roads but I follow you on social media (laughs) and um 
like you've mentioned Emma Kate Manley before, who's an Irish mm. designer who I who I think is amazing. Yeah, I really respect love her her. Stuff. So is supporting homegrown something as well that maybe yeah. would be yeah, a great local. way to so start. For example, I did the I uh, myself and Angela have graced all the covers of the magazines, haven't we, Angela? <laughs> I remember back in my modeling days last year, I was on the cover of Image magazine and Dee Moran, who's an Irish stylist over here, I'm sure she's styled yeah, you yeah, over the years, Laura Whitmore, myself. And she, um, I basically kind of set her the challenge for him. So it's a magazine shoot. So Mm -hmm. we don't want kind of just like jeans and a top. Well, I still wanted to kind of go, well, if we can, why not shoot for the stars and see what we find? Let's try um, small, uh, either uh, vintage stuff, vintage, i.e. secondhand, Mm -hmm. um, or or, uh, small Irish brands or British brands. And so on the cover of Image, it was for March last year, I think, the dress I was wearing on the cover was £25 and Beyond Retro, which is a secondhand dress. And then inside, there was a skirt that was vintage Valentino and it was about £2,000. I would never buy it, but the point was that it's vintage. It's still a magazine show. We have to do something creative with it. But the idea that we didn't just go out and go, let's take all these giant brands who also, some places charge 400 quid for a tracksuit and that money does not go back to the workers. So yeah, you don't have to kid your, like... Yeah, it's not about how much you pay. Yeah, so it's it's sometimes the brands, you have to look into the brands, does this go back? Yeah, exactly. So that's kind of It's good to hear that you're saying these kind of things to stylists and then maybe paving a way forward. But also that's an image allowing for that because ultimately images, it's a commercial publication and Mm -hmm. what they need to do is drive sales and their power is in having you on the front cover in a Simone Rocha dress that means the Simone Rocha dress sells out or in a Dolce & Gabbana or whatever. So for a magazine editor to say, this is important to Ashling. We're putting Ashling on the cover because we like her and what she represents is important yeah. to us. That's, again, li- listening to your voice rather than overruling it, going, yeah. nah, and you know, the man you don't, needs us like, to sell. Everything, I'm not standing here and say, I think a big thing um, that sometimes happens is you put yourself out there behind a cause or a campaign and then someone's going, how dare you spend 400 quid? Yeah. On, a, on a pair of tracks bottoms. So for example, Angela, when I came in here, you said you like my runners. My runners are ASICs runners. They're brand new. Um, they're not an, a particularly ethical company, even though they are doing a lot of stuff with recycling material. They're getting there. Yeah. But ASICs. they are there. ASICs, yeah, because they're... I say ASICs. I say ASICs as well. Yeah, I'd say ASICs. ASICs. Oh, well, pair of boggers. Um, <laughs> but... I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> that whole thing, all I was thinking of is, do you call them ASICs? And we're I, not going to I call it my ARS as well. That's something else I pronounce. Uh, it's like ASOS and Ace. Oh, yeah, this I mean, is like the difference between briquettes day. and briquettes. Yeah. <laughs> Adidas, I won't go into um, it. English people don't but know they, uh, these ones are good for my back because they turn in, they're specific for like a, when you over, you're over prone on your foot or something. So there's like, I, could, I couldn't be going around saying, oh, there's not a single thing in my house now that wasn't made yeah. by someone who had a massage every time they put a, a needle and thread yeah, into yeah. it. But I think that's but you the just, important It's, it's thing. about trying and going, I'm going to wear the hell out of these. I'm trying my best. And imagine what would happen if we all tried a bit. And the one thing I love about Ireland and my country, my beautiful country that I come from is when in general we try, we tend to get stuff done really quickly. And it was the same with the uh, equality um, campaign and the referendum in Ireland. Once we sort of all got on the horse together, we just knocked it out of the park. Mm. The first ever country where the people voted in equality. And 
Ireland has an amazing opportunity to do that and I and, and I feel and we're we're a community driven people who naturally hook up with each other. Yeah. And I, I think that's actually something very powerful that we can harness and hold on to. Definitely. Um, and we got rid of the plastic bag. And we got rid of the plastic bag first and the smoking ban yeah. first. Yeah, we're so very we quick. We are, we are. Off the mark I think there were like, some things. Yeah. yeah, like I think like three lads in Galway complained. But other than that, everyone else, and there's obviously Ross, Ross Common. Common. Oh, <laughs> Ross Common. Always Ross Common. Yeah. Um, so yeah. we are going to talk about the repeal the mm-hmm. eighth movement now. We are going to take a quick break for our spotlight on sports. So this week, four-time All-Ireland winner and All-Star Anna Geary, although she's known for her incredible camogie career for the Rebel County. We mostly talked about dancing, rightly so, and this was recorded before her Sunday night performance. So Anna Geary joins me on the line now. Anna, we know you from the pitch as a camogie player. You've won four All-Irelands, four All-Star medals. But more recently, we've seen you on our TV screens on Dancing with the Stars. So tell me first, was it an easy decision to take part in the show in the first place? Yeah, Neve, I think, I mean, Dancing with the Stars, I mean, I love dancing, first of all. And I think, you know, for me, a Saturday night out isn't a Saturday night unless it's in with some form of dancing. <laughs> yeah. And if there's no dance floor, sure, we'll go and make our own. Exactly. That was always kind of my attitude. I think it's it's a great form of expression. I mean, I, I, sport has been such a main part of my life for years. And I think the, the fitness aspect mentally and physically of sport is really important. But dancing is very much the same. It's just a different form of expression. I think, you know, it was an opportunity I couldn't turn down. Like, to be honest with you, absolutely had inhibitions about yeah. doing it because I suppose sport is my comfort zone and whether I'm I'm on TV with Fittest Family or if it's talking about GA, I'm in my comfort zone because I'm talking about something that I've been involved in for years. Whereas dance is something, you know, you've got a crash course for a few weeks and next thing you're live on TV dancing a tango. I mean, I didn't yeah. even know the first thing about a tango. I mean, that's and, I was going to um, ask that. You got, you got rave reviews in the first week and you did the tango, speaking about comfort zones. I mean, had you ever danced ballroom before? I know we all kind of no. dance at the weekends, but you'd never touched ballroom. Absolutely not. As okay. I said, Latin and ballroom were two completely alien concepts to me. And like, to be honest with you, even this week now, I'm, I'm doing a samba and I was calling it salsa at the time. And right. my dance partner was looking at me. It's like calling French English, you know. Yeah. It's like, what's, your, what's the difference? But you get such an education. Like, and I suppose you get to understand that it's more than just the steps and the routine. It's almost like you have to feel it. You have to step into that character when you're performing and I think with the tango because our tango it was quite serious it was quite mm. intimate it, you know it was a completely added dimension to just learning the routine and a lot of people were saying God you were very serious it's the first time I've never seen you smile on camera well yeah. I wanted to smile but I wasn't allowed to smile because no, it was yeah. part of my character to you know to, to bring that to it because I think what people that's what you're looking for it's not just about he's a good dancer it's about you know bringing a performance and you know I think all of the contestants and the competitors have shown that in the last two weeks that everybody has their own little added skills, whether you're really quick in your feet or you're yeah. really calm under pressure or you have a really good frame. You know, everybody has something that they're bringing to it. Yeah, definitely. You said there about the fitness element in terms of dancing and obviously we're still in the early stages of the competition, but how are you finding the impact of such a different style of training on your body? Is it taking its toll? Because your, your schedule is mental. Like trying to get in touch with you, you're training pretty much every day from 10 to 6, something mad like that. My- 
my boyfriend would completely agree with you. It's like trying to get in touch with you is like insane. Like, you know, <laughs> I apologize to everybody. I promise I'm still I'm still friends and family. I still love you all. Yeah. I just can't talk to you right now. <laughs> no, look, I'm very fortunate because I had the, a level of fitness coming into it. So mm. I didn't find the impact from the from a fitness point of view quite grueling. What right. I did find though is because I manipulate my body in a certain way playing Kamogi that I'm using aspects of my body now I've never used before. You know, playing Kamogi, you know, it's, it's quite a, a specific movement over and over again. Yes, you need agility, but you're not really using your hips or your neck too yeah. much. So, so those aspects of my body are quite sore. But the one thing I do have is that I can train for longer because I have the fitness levels. And particularly, yeah. I'm sure that will come in use if I, please God, get to stay in the competition long enough to do some of the faster dances. Yeah. Then that fitness, when you're doing the routine maybe 20 times, a day or 30 times a day inside rehearsals and you need that fitness to be able to do it again rather than be out of breath and need to take 10 minutes. So that's when I suppose I'm lucky that way. So you likened the um, the Sunday night experience to the first round of a championship. I thought that was brilliant. And I just want to know, did your competitive spirit kick in? I mean, what's the atmosphere like among all of the ladies in particular that are in the competition? You're clearly competitive. We all know that. Yeah, but I mean, yeah. I would never say I'm not. Yeah, because I think I wouldn't. Anyone that knows me, I'm in. I'm. I am who I am, and I'm proud of who I am, and, and I have a competitive streak in yeah. me. And I think that's that's allowed me to to stay on course when I've had setbacks because I, you know, that resilience you build up to try again and the perseverance like goes hand in hand with me with with competition. But it's a different type of competition, Eve, because it's you versus you. Mm-hmm. Like, yes, of course, ultimately one person can only win this. But when I go out in the camogie field, I have an opposition. I have someone stopping me getting the ball. So yeah. they're in my way. But ironically, the only person in my way in this competition is me. Right. My inhibitions, my self-doubt, you know, me forgetting steps or, you know, forgetting where I meant to be. There's a great supportive atmosphere because everybody, all the contestants, we all know what each other is going through and you don't want anybody to mess up. Yes, of course, you want to top, you yeah. know, be at the top and do well, but not at anybody else's expense because ultimately, if I dance well or I don't dance well, that's not really to do with any of the other com- competitors. That's mm. to do with me and how much I've practiced or how much I've performed. And I think that's, you know, I suppose there's an adjustment there for me too, you know, yeah. that it's not... You don't have anybody else to kind of, you know, to stop in their tracks to get to where you need to be. It's very much, you need to be mentally strong enough to believe you can do it. And when I walked out in that store in Sunday night, I suppose, like I work as a performance coach, so I work with people trying to get the best out of themselves to kind of, to banish the self-doubt and all those negative thoughts that we all have in our heads from time to time, particularly when we're trying something new. And as I walked past that dance floor, for a split second, I thought my nerves wouldn't get the better of me. And I said, you know what? Everybody has nerves. Nerves are a way of your body telling you that what you're about to do matters. Yeah. So it's like, so it does matter. So let them drive you rather than inhibit you. You know, as well as like, let, let them help you rather than hinder you because we've all been consumed by nerves one time in our lives or other. And sometimes nerves can get the better of us. Even playing Komogi, I'm playing for 25 years. And I've often played in games where the nerves got the better of me. Yeah. But I think it was just about in that moment saying, work is done. I get my confidence, my preparation. So I felt I have the Irish put in, you know this, you, you, you're not going to do any better. So why would you tell yourself that you're not going to do well? I feel, so, I feel like in these competitions as well, Anna, like there's sometimes different levels. Like you can tell straight away if someone has a kind of a natural 
like they take to it a little bit quicker and mm-hmm. I, I noticed that one of the judges said that you had the potential to be champion so I know talking about the kind of inner struggle that you're having with yourself is that mm-hmm. a lot of pressure to get so early on from the judges or will that just drive you on more? No, not at all to right. be honest with you I think I mean every dance is different but yeah. this week now as I said Samba is totally different to tango I might get lower scores than what I did last week and that's not a reflection on me as a dancer it's just a reflection on my ability to take to that particular dance mm. You know, because we've only a few few days to learn them. Definitely. Well, I would take confidence. For me, bottom line, I wanted to do that tango as well as I possibly could in yeah. week one. It was my first time live in the dance floor to give myself confidence to feel, yes, I can learn the routine and I can deliver it. Getting positive comments from the judges, it does bring a level of expectation then because they now know that you can be up to a certain standard and they expect it again. But I think that's good. We all need a little bit of pressure. We all need, Definitely. you know, that bar that we need to drive to every week because... Otherwise, you know, you, we'd all get complacent. I know I would. I'd yeah. rather come back in here this week thinking, Ashram Grant, whereas it was the opposite that I came in saying, okay, now I really need to go out and, and work harder. And my dance this week, even though the tango was quite a difficult dance, this is probably one of the most difficult dances to learn. Yeah. So that's not ideal, but fingers crossed is okay. So I know you have to run back in now to training, mm-hmm. I know. So I'll, I'll let you go yeah. after one final exactly. question, which was, which is probably the hardest question though. And I, I'd, love a, I'd love an answer from you. So who do you think is your biggest competition? Oh God, I'm looking a for, really good question. I'm looking for a name, Anna. I want you to give me a name. Mm, who is my biggest competition? I'm not going to say who I think is the best dancer because I think right now I've only seen one dance out of everybody. Okay. I think um, in terms of who I think has the capability of bringing it, I'd have to say Erin based on what I've seen. Right. Deirdre to me as well, is a, she's a great dancer. Yeah. And Deirdre's very calm and composed under pressure. Yeah. So I think the two ladies for me um, are both capable of bringing it week and week. Yeah, but, you know, I'm, I'm sure based on what I saw last week, their ability is there. But I think they're two people that aren't, when they hit the dance floor, yeah. they, you know, they they step into this different role and, you know, and they and they try and bring the very best they can. But I think, as I said, for me, ultimately, it's very hard to know. We've yeah. Look at Aiden Amani last year. How many people would have said that he was going to win? It's about the growth of the person. Absolutely. So if they take, for example, Bernard's, like Bernard got a two, in his first week but if Bernard gets a six next week mm. and I get I move from a six to a seven then you know he's his margin of improvement yeah. than I have mm. yeah so people take that stuff into account as well for me the biggest reason why I'm here as well is I'm a sportswoman I've played Kamogi all my life I have a very athletic frame I have a very very different frame to all the other women in the competition which you know it, you look it's, strong it's great to have, see yeah, but I have to embrace it. And I think yeah. for younger girls, that's a really important message. Absolutely. That, you know, you can be proud of the figure you have. You don't have to, to not play sports. You know, you can have an athletic frame and still be in a ball gown and still dance and still be open to loads of different opportunities. And that was one of the big reasons why I took this on, to be yeah. honest, because I have to kind of battle with my own body insecurities as yeah. well. Because let me tell you, there's no room sometimes <laughs> if you into the imagination some of those costumes and we don't have any say in them so you, you have to kind of own what you have and just get out there and, and do as best you can Absolutely Well Annie you looked absolutely stunning last week and I'm sure we'll be seeing you for weeks to come so best of luck in the competition Thank and thanks so much, much for talking work. to us Thank you Bye bye
Okay, so we're back. Let's talk about the repeal the eighth movement. Before we do, can I just address the Ooh. fact for anyone who's watching this podcast instead of listening to it? Uh, what are you doing, first my, of all? But yeah, whatever. Well, Angela is pregnant. That's why uh, yeah. you're sort of, yeah, just flagging that up. <laughs> and then I am um, really, so I've pulled my back. Yeah, your posture is outstanding yeah, today. It's because I literally, <laughs> I put her in the middle move. as well. So yeah, I just can't. Oh I can't like... really move. And do you know how I did? I, I did it because I was minding my friend's two kids and I and they were on the trampoline and I really wanted them to love me and I was like how can I knock this up a notch and I started pulling up and down the trampoline to make okay. a terror trampoline oh. and while doing a Harry Potter quiz at the same time wow. and I pulled up and down they were like this is amazing and I was like uh oh and it turned into baby crack and they <laughs> could not let me stop doing it and it was half an hour of me See, wanting love so badly oh. and I am in no position to comment mm. on anything to do with what you should do around children but mm-hmm. I feel like if you keep the baby crack to a minimum yeah, yeah, you I'm probably won't crack. get physical injury yeah like, yeah, this is I've, the thing I've a natural yeah, get panto love. quality <laughs> I mean, to me that's yeah. the thing as well but I feel like it's a really Irish industry I don't know at what point the child of Prague and Irish households became uh, replaced with a trampoline yeah. like in every Irish house there's yeah. a trampoline with the little cage around it. Yeah, with the cage to keep them locked in. Yeah. Stay in there now until you don't want to live anymore and go to de- bed. The padlock yeah. on the zip. <laughs> Although my, um, my, my nephew got one for Christmas and uh, my younger sister... <laughs> Awful. <laughs> One day she was like, "Now the whole point of this trampoline, get out there, do a bit of exercise, tire him out, calm him down, the whole works." So she said, "I mean, he's five. Uh, she said, "Okay, fail him out there now, and go on the trampoline, and they, there's a basketball net in the thingy, Whoa. and I know swank." And uh, she said. I want 200 consecutive, uh, like, hoops, <laughs> oh right? So he's out there in his little coat, jumping up and down, <laughs> trying to do the hoops, right? And so I opened the door and I was like, how are you doing? And he said, I'm on four. <laughs> and then my niece, who's three, yeah. came out the door and said, five is the next number after that. <laughs> so I was like, I don't think we can keep oh, him out there no. for 200 Can you hoops. imagine if he just never got his education because he was still aiming for 200 baskets? The best, I love trampolines in Ireland, especially when the weather picks up and then everybody is just so concerned about what are we going to do with the trampolines? Yeah, like, yeah, we're going to yeah. have to pin them down because trampolines will just go flying into the neighbour's garden. That's what happened. With the storm, yeah. yeah, with the storm, it was like when they up on like school roofs and when stuff. the sun comes out. No, when no, the storm comes, storm comes out. I she said, when the summer comes. Oh, when Ophelia came, hopping around. When Ophelia like, came, oh, literally, yeah. there was just trampolines everywhere. Nobody yeah. knew what to do. It was one of those things. When they came for our men, we did nothing. When they came for our women and children, we did nothing. But when they took our trampolines, <laughs> we said no more. Ophelia met Aaron. We're like no more. <laughs> Please, yeah, we will rebuild. It was a sad, it was a sad day for trampolines. Terrible time, trampolines. But moving on from uh, another way, uh, bouncing can get you into trouble. Yeah, yeah. let's talk mm-hmm. about let's talk about repeal. So I actually think um, it's a really good week to be talking about this because obviously we Michael both Martin. have probably been across the news on it. So there's been like repeal for for anybody who doesn't know right so for any of our international listeners or Irish for that matter the 8th amendment in the constitution of Ireland I'm going constitution now equates the right to life of a pregnant woman with that of an embryo or a fetus so in doing so it essentially criminalises abortion and over the last few years in Ireland we have people in Ireland have been behind repealing this amendment in order to provide better rights for women 
more rights in terms of access to abortion. So in Ireland over the last couple of weeks, like there's been a huge turnaround in the government. So, mm -hmm. I mean, the movement is happening. I'm expecting a date to be coming up pretty what soon. What I would love to see is a little bit of the maudlin energy around a campaign change. I feel like... Uh, at the moment it's a women's issue and my big fear about the vote whatever happens would be that it would be um, people who feel very motivated uh, against uh, uh, people who are pro-life and uh, women who are very uh, pro-choice and that many men will feel like it's not their issue or if you're on the um, on the fence about it yeah. you'll feel like it's not your issue. This is all of our issue because it's our sisters and it's our friends and it's our girlfriends and it's our mothers and it's um, it's a, a, an issue for uh, all of us. And I would love if when this vote happens that everyone votes on it mm -hmm. because uh, the one thing that we've seen how votes can really make a difference in the world. Yeah. This is one of those things I think is a really exciting moment for Ireland. I think there's, um, I can imagine, a scared energy in Ireland at the moment because the last referendum in 1983, I was yet to be born. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, I uh, know from people who were journalists and a lot of people around then, it was a nasty, nasty time in Ireland right. uh, for both sides. Vicious and there was vicious like, campaigning. Yeah. It got personal, it got physical. People were getting beaten up. I know one journalist here um, who was a... She was uh, uh, pro-choice and she was approached by a, a TD in a car park with basically a broken bottle. Um, and that's, but we have to allow ourselves, this isn't 1983 anymore, this isn't the 80s. Mm -hmm. Since then, suicide has become decriminalised in Ireland. Mm -hmm. Being gay has become decriminalised in Ireland. Rape. And marital rape has been decriminalised in Ireland. And now we have equal marriage, uh, no matter what your gender is, if you want to marry someone. It this seems is, um, like the, almost, it seems like the last kind of thing, a little bit. In but terms even of not the issue, just the fact that we're coming together. So to repeal the Eighth Amendment is the start of the conversation. Yeah. It's not about immediately everyone gets abortions and yeah. you can have them right up until the child is 18. But I think that's what it's, people are thinking. There seems yeah. to be confusion around it mm. at the moment. And I don't think that this has been, thankfully, it hasn't been as horrific as... You're explaining it, but was the campaign hasn't really started yet. No, yeah, yeah. Well, well, this yeah. is it. But I mean, the run-up to it, the pro-life yeah. and the pro-choice. I've watched debates, and I think that people are listening to both sides, mm. and I think that people are. But I do also think that there is a lot of misinformation still, even yeah. after the committee has recommended yeah. the amendments. There still is a lot of confusion, and I'll use an example for today. I spoke to, I was mostly around men today so I was asking them I knew I was going to be talking about mm -hmm. repeal and I asked them about it and still a lot of people don't know and a lot of people are like cool abortion it's yeah, and that's, of course, that's what it But most people, when they're to. approaching, whether it's a vote or whether it's a referendum, mm. what they know is the top line. Yeah. And the, the fear is that, you know, people who are so impassioned about it actually scare people away from mm. having debate about it. And yeah. we've seen it, whether it's Brexit, whether it's Trump, uh, w whether you're far right or far, far left. And I think the lefties have been accused of silencing people because, you know, lefties obviously very liberally minded very mm -hmm. well educated articulate a little bit too aggressive at times yeah. people think um, and to the point where they 
if you don't agree with me, then it's because you're thick. But yeah. that's or, an extremist on on either side, Angela. Of course, I think that's, yeah. That's that's um in terms of campaigning for. I am very um uh, pro-choice. As am I. I am. Uh, I I believe in abortion as as a right. I don't um uh, believe that women are put on earth to be pregnant. I believe we can, and it's an amazing thing to be able to do. But it's not your only function. Mm-hmm. And there are also, it, it, of course, it's not because we've overpopulated the planet. So we don't, it doesn't need to be our only function anymore. Yeah. No more than um, me having two legs means that I need to run a marathon. But see, I should, I, probably. It's, <laughs> but it's not a waste of my legs if I don't. It's not but, a waste of my womb if I don't. But I don't think pro-life or whatever they're yeah. calling themselves these these days are fighting for that, are saying you no, are a womb on no, 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 legs. No, 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 no. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is um, at, at the moment, it's an exciting time for Ireland to make a change in our history of how we've treated gender. Yeah. Uh, Eleanor Tiernan um, has a joke that uh, if if the um, equality campaign had been just for lesbians, it probably wouldn't have gone through. My big fear is with this, True. that whatever you feel, you vote and you don't see it as a women's issue or leave it to women. We need the support of um, men and we need the support this is all of our issue because yeah. it, I think there's a slight hangover and we all have it we were educated during the 80s I'm not sure what age you are Neve. four <laughs> a bit of flirting there by me um, <laughs> Uh, but we I will take all, it we and all, not correct you. Sorry. We were all educated during the 80s in highly religious mm-hmm. ed- institutions. All of us were. There's no, There were no yeah. schools really in Ireland that weren't religious. And that has a hangover in your psyche. It doesn't go anywhere. I'm working on stand-up at the moment about how all Irish women are have a sort of natural nun quality to them that yeah. we can't really yeah. shake off. We're all sort of built to be nuns in an ideal world. Mm-hmm. But then we sort of get a bit of a horn and we don't end up being nuns. It, might have, it was probably the hope <laughs> of down. most parents. Yeah, yeah. that we'd some be point. a nun at some point yeah. and, and there'd be no shame in that and I think a big thing is to change the stigma around what we think who we think needs abortions and uh, who we think these women are these Mm -hmm. 12 women who go every single day out of Ireland to get um, uh, um, healthcare Um, and there's an idea that I think uh, it's single women who've had too much of a good time. Yeah. Uh, that if you're if, having sex, you if you're having a lot of sex, should you not have been looking after yourself? And this is what happens. This is what happens. And the idea that if you've had sex and you have gotten pregnant accidentally and you don't want to be pregnant, that go to England, but at least you'll have learned your lesson because you'll have gone through enough. This idea of us all punishment. carrying cross and punishment, I think is something that if we all examine how we feel, that's quite an underlying thing that even if you feel like women should have the right to abortions, but just go to England to get one because this is how Ireland is. But the fact There's that you a sort say of underlying... it's a women's issue is, is that historically this was a women's issue. So it was the women who would be thrown into the laundries. Yeah. It would be the yeah. women who were put on the boat. And this wasn't. And I suppose kind of agreeing with you in terms of the fear, there are a lot of people who still... Because, you know, a lot of us, especially if we're living in the big cities, would think that we would be Mm. quite liberal. There are a lot of people around the country who are still very much a part of the old religious ethos and who still very much think of like, oh, this is, you know. I'm not saying that's a good thing, but I think it's still very much present. But I don't think it's a religious thing. I think, you know, I have... I have friends and it's outrageous to me. I'm absolutely pro-choice and and it seems like such a simple thing. A woman has control or should have absolute control and autonomy over her own 
uh, choices and and over her own body. But you talk to people. I mean, I have friends who are confused or who don't agree with abortion. And it's not because they're in the front pew every Sunday, you know, praying. Yeah. But is, because it, is, it they, that, is it that, here's, I suppose, I would, because the point of what we're doing with this podcast today, I would like to think to, to, for me personally, why I want to talk about it more is not to say how pro-choice I am. That's mm-hmm. obvious, probably very obvious if you look at my Twitter or Instagram. What I would say is what we have to look at as a culture and a society because we're about to go into campaign time and I I get a bit tired with maudlin energy around certain issues, yeah. whether it's suicide or abortion or, or, or being gay, rather than maybe a celebratory time that we have time to change and shift how Ireland looks and yeah. that we have a new young generation and that we can actually discuss things in a more open and honest way that we're, we can cast off the kind of shame of sex and all the stuff that comes with it and actually examine why we feel certain ways. So one of the big things is that for a lot of people, uh, once you get pregnant, you have a soul inside of you and that is the soul of a baby. Rather than seeing it, we use the word baby, we use it, but in general, you don't tell people until a couple of months you're going to have a baby um, and it's awful when you miscarry and you feel like you've, a lot of people feel like they've lost a baby. But that is an, an embryo, it's a fetus. It can be seen as a medical condition yeah. and that that for me is something to maybe, even if you don't believe that, just try um, getting your head around that and also on the <clears> other <throat> side try getting your head around that that's quite important for people to feel yeah. like that. and and I would say the big question is for me is do you have a problem that you would never have an abortion yourself um, or do you feel like all women shouldn't be allowed to have them mm-hmm. because if you feel like no one should be allowed to have them then are you going to castigate people in England, we all live in a country where I could go and get one tomorrow if I wanted. It would be odd because I'm not pregnant uh, to rock up and ask for one. But do you feel like those women should be castigated yeah. for going? And most countries you travel to in the world, France, uh, England, America, abortions are legal there. Yeah. Abortions and many women who you know have had them. Ireland doesn't allow that to happen. But are you OK with women travelling to England? If so, if you're OK with women tra- leaving the country to go and get an abortion and not having one in Ireland. For me, the subtext of that is as long as they have to do their long walk of shame. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's what makes me sad, that we're allowing women to get their health care, but only as long as they do the long Ryanair trip of shame yeah, that costs them three or four grand. So now do you feel sad about it? So it almost now doesn't do even you, feel yeah. like it's about abortion. It almost yeah. feels more about if it's, you're saying if it's like it's not putting something a woman you would place. ever do. Yeah. Exactly. If mm. it's not something that you ever do or your partner would ever feel like you should do. That is absolutely right. There are times I'm, um, you know, uh, I'm at the start of a new relationship now. More on that non-angler. Okay. Um, but if I if I got pregnant now, I I don't think I'd keep a baby now mm. because I don't know where this is going and it's I don't feel like it's the right time for me to have a baby. Um, and that's not some. It might be a discussion I'm going to have. I'm not at an age or a financial situation where it would be bad for me to have one or I couldn't afford to have a baby right now but that's something I would choose It's your choice Yes it is my choice mm. and I, I said that to my mother recently and again I'm having slow but sure conversations and if you feel like what can I do slow but sure conversations and putting these hypothetical situations to make them personal to the people in your family around so you I think that's absolutely yeah. because my mother was like ah, Jesus Ashing you wouldn't if you got pregnant now 
And I was like, yeah, mommy, I wouldn't. I'm yeah. kind of, I have TV shows in development. I don't want to have a baby in the next two years. Mm. Um, whether I do it all, I don't know. But th- that was sort of her going, oh yeah, I suppose. And, it, and the sky wouldn't fall out. Yeah. But a lot of the attitude is you made your bed now. It. And I think yeah. that is a hangover. And I do think know, it is a hangover. Before. And that's where I suppose with the attitude we have to question. But the biggest thing is if the vote is to repeal the Eighth Amendment, there will be discussions after that on gestation periods yes. on until what point we will have an abortion. Maybe it'll be one month, maybe it'll be two months, maybe it'll be three months. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I would have views on at what point we allow an abortion to happen yeah, and, and not allow date. a cut-off yeah. date. I would have views on that. I mean, I want more education on that. I don't know a lot of the science behind it. But the big thing is the current Eighth Amendment, and all people in Ireland know this, is an awful law. If your baby's stillborn, if it's not going to survive the birth, if you've been raped, all of that stuff. That is when we look at how did the tomb case happen how did those situations happen where we found babies buried in septic tanks and that that law is a perfect example if we leave it be of how collectively we are guilty of those things happening because yeah. those things happen because people close their eyes and walk away and turn away and then get shocked when it gets printed in a newspaper mm-hmm. but all of us are collectively responsible for the women who have to leave and and for that decision, the Eighth Amendment law is a backwards old law. And whatever happens after that, we will discuss as a society. But the law as it stands is criminally awful to women. Yeah. And it's, cru- it's cruel. It's cruel. It's cruel. And, you know, I remember reading a story about a woman who um, she had had a scan and she knew that the the baby wasn't going to be compatible with life. And if her choices were either she go to England like again you know this is heartbreak for Thousands a woman to women, find it yeah, yeah mm-hmm. but you know it's in this moment she got pregnant with the hope of having a baby and um she said she she went to to full term and she walked around every single day like I'm walking around with people go oh my god this yeah, is yeah, so yeah. exciting you're having a baby I can't imagine that and every That's single shocking. day she was tortured knowing that my baby is not like is not going to live I'm not going to have a child that's the sort of thing and genuinely in Ireland uh, I'm I'm the daughter of a vet Um, you wouldn't let that happen to a cow psychologically genuinely you wouldn't let that happen to a cow or a horse I do do think a good point that you said Ashling, and I think we'll we'll kind of wrap up on this one is to take away the the kind of maudlin nature of the discussion and I know Mm. when we're talking about stories like that Angela it's horrific to hear that sorry I go to the dark no 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 but but what I'm saying is that there there are other ways that you can look at it regardless of your own opinion and I think that you know we we can't shut out the pro-lifers they're entitled to their opinion as Mm. well but I do think like I think about my own father for example and I remember when the marriage equality came in Mm -hmm. my dad is from a stud farm in Kildare right he's (gasps) he's over 60 what yeah my what stud farm um, this is the most Irish part of this Bally, uh, podcast. Ballymore Eustace. Ballymore Eustace. Oh, you know my mother's a retired jockey. My father was an equine Stop. Vet. My dad wanted me to be, well, a jockey. I'd be you a great jockey. You would make a great you jockey. Would. She's so no. tiny if you're yeah. only yeah. listening in. So I fell yes. off a horse when I was little and that was the end. <gasps> oh no, baby. Jockey now career. Now you have to be stuck with us. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Sorry so the horse kind of dragged me around for a little yeah. while. Was but sorry, oh, no. back to your dad. Sorry, yeah. but basically marriage equality came in and like I was saying, my dad is from like, you know, it was a very rural upbringing. Lots of horses. It was very a staunch Catholic and 
the, the kind of way that it was back then in the 50s and 60s. And I remember when it passed, I was uh, I wasn't in Dublin and he went into the city on his own with his camera and he got a new camera and he was so excited about it. And then when he got he was literally like the absolute atmosphere that you get. Mm. And I would never have thought not that he, he wasn't against gay marriage, mm-hmm. but he wanted to go in and kind of be around this historical moment in the country and, and kind of take pictures and celebrate with the people who were really benefiting and from this. And it was a lovely moment. Look at this, yeah. that this is, think of all the girls you knew when you're grown up in the town and oh, she got pregnant, oh, she went to England and all the she did this yeah. and the whispers. Yeah. Think of the daughters and the sisters and the friends and the, the the people you know in your towns and you think do they have to put up with that and the shame and the stigma yeah. Yeah. and this is an amazing opportunity for us to step f- not step into the 21st century or whatever I don't I don't believe like this is a this is us going oh that's all in the past it's a great opportunity for us to say no more of the way things were and the yeah. sadnesses yeah. I feel like we have an opportunity now in Ireland to actually really celebrate how far gender has come mm. and we Irish women genuinely I'm so proud to be an Irish woman and we have a power to us and a strength to us the problem with that strength is it comes with the ability to put up with a lot yeah so our our backs are quite strong which means we're able to carry a lot of stuff and I think this is where we go actually let's lighten this load we don't have to we're not made to carry as much as we do and I think we've been expected to and we're like ah we're grand we're battle axes Mm. and I think this is the this is the opportunity for us as a country to go do you know what let's lighten this load on women Uh, and therefore on ourselves this is good for men as well this will be hopefully good honest open conversations and opportunities for men especially in this current climate to do something positive for women and to help us out. And for me, this vote for men represents um, men being able to help out their sisters and mothers because often you can feel quite helpless as a man to know what to do. Before I let you guys go, you did say there that Irish women have strong backs, which we do, but your back's Mm -hmm. not strong at the moment. So that's why. Quite an (laughs) ironic thing. We have very strong back. It just shows you. You can pull too many trampolines, guys. (laughs) You have to get to an acupuncture appointment. So I I will let you go. Before I let you go, I want to know what's coming up for you guys. Angela, big gig announced, the BBC. Oh, yeah. I was like, what? (laughs) (laughs) Since we've been in here. Um, yeah, you've yeah. been fired. I know. Like. <laughs> Not for the first time. Yeah, obviously um, you're going to be very busy over the next few months as yes, well. Yeah, so I'm still doing one show, which is like in and out up until the yeah D Day. Um, and yeah, Radio Two. I've wow. joined Radio Two. How I don't know yes. this. Congrats! Thanks. I would love to say it's an exclusive, but um, it's not. I saw it before. Oh. Yeah, yeah. So, um, what's your? It's a very early morning Sunday. Sunday slot. morning. Amazing. Yeah, but it is. Too. I mean, holy grail for me. Oh, and, uh, lovely. Yeah, it's quite a mad walking into when Wogan do you start? House. Do you know when, that's why it's going to be the new Terry Wogan. Yeah, well, I mean. Hang time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think anyone will be the new Terry Wogan ever. Uh, when, but when yeah, that starts off? in May. Ashling, what about you? What do you have coming up? When does this come out? Monday. Monday. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh. So actually, you have a book, right? That's coming out. Well, it's not your book, oh, but it's Una not my Malali, book. right? So um, 
a couple of things. One of which uh, is uh, Irish, fantastic Irish journalist Una Mullally has put together uh, Repeal the Eighth Anthology, which is a little book yeah. um, which features a number of great women, <laughs> including myself. So it's an anthology which will be out in April and all the proceeds go towards the Repeal the Eighth campaign. Uh, and there's loads of like funny stories. Short different stories. Boxes, and short stories. Like I've done a bit of a jokey one. Right. Uh, so you might give us a little laugh out of it. So that's yeah. out in April. Um, uh, let me see what's oh Hard Sun is a drama I'm in it's on uh, also BBC on BBC mm-hmm. at 9.35 every Saturday night it's great. it's all an iPlayer it's getting great reviews thanks and then also Netflix have commissioned eight uh, 15 minute stand up specials and I'm the only international act and so I've just, just found out yesterday so That's I think they amazing. announced it today so yeah so Ireland will be represented on Netflix worldwide with That's 15 amazing. minutes of my absolute uh, shite chat great good yeah. work that's, that's a bit of, bit of fun and then myself and Sharon Horgan have a TV show together which we'll hopefully hear about in uh, two weeks time whether we get a series or not that is all the time we have for this week thank you so much to my panellists Angela Scanlon and Ashling B thank you to our athlete of the week Anna Geary our dancing star Shane Dempsey was on sound I'm Eve Marr and we will chat to you next week back home